What is up, friends and family? It's time for another episode of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storman in Brooklyn, New York, and joining me via the miracles of modern technology to my good buddy, Will Freeland. Will, what's cracking? What is cracking, man? Santa Barbara hit orange tier, so oh. uh, gyms are opening up again. Okay. This last week, we started going to the YMCA again. I'm fully vaxxed. My wife is fully vaxxed. Dogs don't catch it, so <laughs> our household is is looking good. So, awesome. Um, good to hear. So we're Yeah, so we're going to the gym a few times a week now, and my body's feeling it, but I can... I'm looking forward to having more natural energy and not relying on uh, energy <laughs> drinks and coffee. Word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had my own version of working out this weekend, which is I crammed a backpack full of 20 pounds of comics and walked it down about a mile to my local comic shop. And uh, <laughs> get a, get a, yeah, I get a little bit of a burn that way and uh, got to got to sell some comics, got to talk to strangers for <laughs> several hours at a time which god i can't even remember last time that happened yeah right. Um, but it, it was it was really good slinging some books hanging out with other comics creators and just kind of like feeling once again like i'm doing a comics thing you know yeah it, it's really it had really been a minute to you know I'm writing again. I'm, I'm selling comics again. I met with the editor for uh, my next uh, project. So got to, uh, you know, like hang out with him and, and sort of talk shop a little bit. And it just really, I don't know, feels like I'm like starting to, to starting to be a person again. <laughs> feels good. Awesome. Yeah, man. So we've got a, uh, oh, the other thing mm. <laughs> is that it is beautiful in new york right now i feel oh. like you get you get like five weeks a year where the weather is just stunning and it's an event like people are talking about it outside you know like i was walking home uh me and rachel were just out we got some pizza and ate it over in prospect park and you know there's people playing music and just all sorts of people milling about good people watching laying on a blanket out on, out in the sun reading a book it was really nice Nice. And like, you know, Rachel's still out there. I had to get back to record this pod uh, and I was walking back and, and uh, there's a guy sitting out on the front stoop and a woman getting her keys out to walk into the same building and, you know, just talking about the weather. And it's, you never talk about the weather in Santa Barbara. Why, why would you ever need to? It's always yeah. great. Right. <laughs> it doesn't change. <laughs> But I, I'm finally starting to understand why it's such a common topic of conversation between people. It's uh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> when there's actual weather, it's you know it's a real, real oh, marker in your life. Care about. Yeah, hey. a real significant event. Something you're experiencing <laughs> together as people in the world. You know, so yeah, just just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk comics, man. Yeah. What do you What do you got for us this week? Um, so I read, I was able to read three books, checked Sweet. out Miles Morales, Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. volume three <clears throat> by Saladin Ahmed. Uh, oh, nice. So they've I, got, I know, they've got I know Saladin Ahmed doing, uh, Miles Morales as well as, as, uh, Ms. Marvel. That's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just, yeah. I just, uh, I figured out where to freaking 
immediately see the first and last name on these books <laughs> and i'm trying to channel my my inner steve of making sure i know the teams that are doing the things that i'm consuming incessantly <laughs> um, it's good to have an appreciation you know yeah absolutely somebody made that yeah until until i get to things like uh morbius the living vampire um I've after I finished it, I found out that this was a volume one, and, I, and I'm not too excited. But it's a, <laughs> it's by uh, Vita Ayala. Oh, cool! Um, it read like a one shot, and I have reading this, and then also um, Avengers Defenders Tarot mm-hmm. uh, is a one shot by Alan Davis, and both oh wow, both Tarot and Morbius Volume One, which I thought was a one shot have uh made me think about one shots more and like what are one shots why are we doing one shots i'm uh Um, i'm excited to to poke your brain about it after after you get through talking about them yeah so honestly not a whole lot to write home about um from these three books miles morales uh some of the takeaways his baby sister is born um cool her name is Billy Mariana uh, Morales. Mm-hmm. Oh, for those who don't know, so this Miles Morales Spider-Man is the Spider-Man from Ultimate Marvel. Right. And during Secret Wars, because he gave Molecule Man a cheeseburger uh, <laughs> when everything was ending and they were rebuilding Earth, Molecule Man was like, hey. Thanks for the cheeseburger. And he saved his family from the ultimate universe and implanted them onto the Marvel 616 universe. Yeah. And um, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Molecule Man. Just this this guy who has like, you know, ultimate cosmic power and all he wants to do is hang out with his wife and watch TV and eat a cheeseburger. That's great. What a great, what a great concept for a character. <laughs> yeah. I would I yeah. Molecule Man. They they were able to introduce such an interesting like his place in the multiverse mm-hmm. idea, right? Uh, with Secret Wars, and I mean it's all Hickman, but like it was I I really liked their thought process on that. Just real quick for people listening, and they're like, what are they talking about? As you experience with especially spiders and the mutants, there are so many different realities where we see all these different all these different versions of the same characters and it's a lot of fun it's cool to see like different interpretations of them blah 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 molecule man is the exact same in all the universes oh i didn't know that yeah so he acts as a cosmic center point or focal point to like a it was like it was almost like a a, a cosmic like experiment and this was a conversation between or a revelation from doom talking to owen reese molecule man about yeah. it because in all these different realities there are different victor von dooms and they all have different tweaks to how they look how they grew up what sure. kind of abilities they have blah, blah blah yeah but owen reese across every single reality is the exact same <laughs> um, that's great think of it like a uh, highlander Right. So like (laughs) there can only be one uh, yada yada. So part of what's going on in Secret Wars is they are jamming all of the molecule men back together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when they're when they're creating the new universes, that's why Molecule Man is creating a copy of himself and sending himself to each new universe that uh, Franklin creates. Yeah. Because they need that anchor point. Sure. Okay. 
So it's kind of cool. Anyway, so Miles gets saved and his family gets moved over to 616. And then, surprise to me, they also brought over his uncle, Aaron Davis, who is the Ultimate Universe's Prowler. Right. um, As opposed to Hobie Brown from 616. Sure. But Hobie is still around in 616. Because you never get rid of a character, even if you've duplicated them. Exactly. (laughs) So this is a case of two costumed anti-heroes that Hobie Brown Prowler is more of an uh, is more of an anti anti-hero than Aaron Davis Prowler. He's okay. just he's just in with the mob bad guy kind of a guy. Yeah. He gave up the Prowler and then in order to save Miles in a, in a previous volume, he went and borrowed the Prowler suit again and to pay off that debt, he has to go and do jobs. Sure. So, I'm really interested conceptually to see if Aaron Davis and Toby Brown ever cross paths. Right. Because both of them are like part-time prowler. <laughs> if they like they just they don't like the prowler life. Yeah. They try to avoid would it. Would rather not prowl. Yeah. They'd rather <laughs> they'd rather hang out than prowl. Yeah. Uh, prowling, who likes who 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 honestly likes prowling? It seems like a <laughs> not yeah. a great activity. So, so I'm really interested to see if they're ever going to cross paths. Aaron, uh, Hobie Brown is in Manhattan, whereas Aaron Davis is in Brooklyn, but it's not mm-hmm. that far away from each other. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> um, so the only real takeaways, there's two. Miles has a new baby sister and he had been keeping a journal for a writing class and where he kind of lets out everything that he's going through okay and so think of it as like doug funny's journal from from (laughs) yeah back when sure uh the assistant principal of his high school that has it out for miles comes across the journal of course so now assistant principal knows his secret knows that Um, he's that he is spider-man that he is spider-man uh and he does not use it against him and he pulls a j john jameson where he kind of protects him in front of the baddie at the time Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it. Nothing really happened. Do you like there it? Was, was a fun story. Uh, it it wasn't a great week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it was it was nice to read, but it felt like it felt like the 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 issues were just kind of going through the motions. Mm, um, okay. It didn't feel like Miles himself had any growth. Um, sure. In this volume, it was just like, okay, we're setting up. Uh, his family is getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has more home responsibilities, and now someone else knows his secret. Moving sure. on. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. So it was just kind of it was it was a transitionary volume. Makes sense. Morbius. So Morbius Living Vampire Volume One. For those who don't know, Morbius is you know your classic amazing scientist has his doctorate i think he has a uh, yeah he's a Nobel prize winning biologist um, they just freaking give those things out in the marvel universe yeah they really who, do. who doesn't have a Nobel prize <laughs> uh he had a blood condition that he was trying to to solve so he started experimenting on himself with vampire blood vampire blood vampire bat blood and it went wrong and he turned into morbius living vampire how could something like that go wrong it's such a great idea i know seriously so it's your classic kurt connor's turning into a lizard thing kurt connor's lost a limb and uh was researching lizard dna because they regrow tails and he became a lizard so same kind of thing with michael morbius 
since he was introduced, he doesn't really. <sighs> there was one 12 issue, quote unquote, one shot, because it's 12 issues, yeah. back like, I want to say almost 10 years ago that I read that was just like, here's Morbius, here's what he's doing when he's not hanging out in a Spider-Man comic. And okay. he's still looking for a cure. Like that's his entire story is he's looking for a cure to his condition. That's all he cares about. Yeah. Um, sometimes the vampire in him takes over and he has to like fight his urge to drink blood. And but he Sony does thought this blood. was going to be enough to adapt into a movie. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I mean, when you get, when you get Jared Leto, it could be, it could be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but uh, so this volume one deals with he had a best friend doctor that was helping him with his research when he first turned into the living vampire he ended up killing him his name was emil i don't remember his last name he had a sister elizabeth and so in this she shows up to take revenge on take revenge on morbius for killing her brother she also she separates michael morbius from the living vampire she tells herself that the monster also killed michael so okay there's nothing of michael left in the monster and so it's easy for her who grew up with her brother and michael as kids it's easy for her to let go of those memories and go and just inflict death upon this monster sure yeah so the volume is called old wounds basically it started with Morbius finding a new idea to try to cure himself. And in his haste, he just went for it. <laughs> and it started his mutation further, very much like a beast kind of situation. Yeah. So he starts like spreading wings. He starts losing control of himself, blah, blah, blah. Elizabeth, the vampire hunter, shows up and uh, she hires the melter to help her take him down which makes very little sense melter is i'm assuming somebody who melts things yeah he's 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 (laughs) so when you need your vampire melted you you call him up yeah he's your d e list villain spider villain i mean at Uh, least you can probably get him and get him for cheap like he he probably doesn't have anything else going right right so he he's got a gun that shoots like acid kind of a thing like he think like think trapster right (laughs) like same level as trapster but instead of trapping people he melts people yeah (laughs) and thanks 60s um so (laughs) so she hires him and turns out that the melter is also a scientist and he kind of takes morbius's serum and tweaks a little bit and goes make some monsters for himself blah 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 so the monsters end up being it's not great so um (laughs) so morbius is fighting his own transformation uh it slows down by drinking spider-man's blood they have to introduce spider-man so in order to get you to really care about morbius morbius needs a mirror to it's hard to care about someone who's just struggling with their inner demon but has a terrible job uh does a terrible job fighting it so you introduce someone who's like your moral compass like a spider-man yeah to show up and he's like yeah my 
what's going on? <laughs> Why are you doing this? You, I thought you were out of the game. I thought you were just like working on cures. What's going on? And so he, so he's like, you know, I, I tried a new serum. It didn't work. It's, it's, I'm, I'm turning into the monster faster. Yada, yada, yada. Sure. So yeah, it's whatever. Basically the main takeaway is Morbius went full vampire at the end and then reverted back, but he kept his wings and Elizabeth is running around and, 616. And now he looks suspiciously more like Jared Leto. And what? Yeah, his <laughs> hair's longer. So on the bright side, Morbius has always had the long black hair. Okay. It's a real good vampire look, just sort of stringy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's it's it's not a huge stretch to really make him or Jared look like the other. So right. It's not too bad. But anyway, so the this volume only exists from my perspective. It only exists to introduce Elizabeth and give him wings. Okay. There was nothing else. And that this is where and and I'll talk about it more with tarot, but like this is where I start to get these like as I'm reading, unless it's really good, like an old man Logan. Yeah. Um, unless I'm uh, as I'm reading a uh, a one shot. I'm just looking for the like, what are you trying to introduce to the world so you can use it later? Right. Yeah. Uh, they do it with Spider-Man a lot. Okay. Like they'll do like, you know, it'll be 2018 and then they're, they go and tell a story from when Spider-Man first got his powers and they yeah. use that to introduce like some other villain that uh, he had to figure out how to beat back in the day. Right. Still still figuring himself out and so there's an actual struggle because the villain isn't that great sure and then six months later that same villain shows back up in regular storytelling but and you don't have to go into their backstory because you can just say hey i haven't seen you since in like years and then <laughs> asterisk as seen in right. spider-man no yep. way home or like whatever and 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 so it's like one shots exist from my perspective to introduce some new side character mm-hmm. or give a quick update to a power. Mm. Like you can't with the except like, like with Spider-Man things like the other where he like basically evolved to the next level of Peter Parker that they ended up right. with. But like right. um, the other was a like side semi one shot. It had its own issues. And it also had a couple amazing Spider-Man issues, but right. like, but it's a jumping off point for other exactly. stories. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to give them some spikes. We're going to give them some uh, organic uh, webbing. And we're going to give them some like enhanced senses that beyond what he already had. Let's and a, do that a new here. sort of like set of mythologies and mm-hmm. different sort of villain and stuff like that. Yeah. Introduce Ezekiel so we can use Ezekiel later. Like right. they're just doing this in this on these like side stories so they don't have to make it organically happen in a regular right title and they can sort of market separate be like hey this is an event check it out yeah yeah yeah. um and then on top of that one shots so the other reason why one shot happens is because a movie is coming out yeah and they're just like oh well let's just tell some other random side story yeah but so i i've come to the point where i hold one shots to a like a higher standard Mm. because i'm looking at it from a like 
okay, you've you've been given this chance to tell a isolated, yeah, isolated story. Something coherent with the beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, because it's so rare in comics to be able to just tell one story and do it well. Yeah, or in superhero comics, rather. Right. You're you are given four to six issues to tell any story you want with established heroes. And what you're going to do now makes it canon within 616. Wow. Don't F this up. Yeah. Like whatever you put on page, now it exists. <laughs> yeah. And then and like that's because that's how I felt about like Captain America with the civil rights stuff. Right. You know, forever. I was like, well, you know, we never actually seen it. Uh, who knows how Cap would have re- uh, reacted to like uh, BLM and, and civil rights movement stuff. Yeah. And then they did an issue with it. And so now he has officially seen it. He has officially had a reaction in canon. And now I'm upset. Like, By the way, <laughs> um, yes. while I was meeting with the editor yesterday, he, he recommended something to me that Sounds great, and I want to read it. And I want to see if you have any interest in reading it with me sometime. It's a, a 70s run of Captain America, the original Secret Empire, not not the recent one, not oh. Cap is Hydra. But he he says it's great and and like politically daring in a way that um, in superhero comics, you know, they there's a lot of like talk about oh they're like so political they're trying to make it topical they're trying to like you know <laughs> acknowledge that people b- besides white guys exist <laughs> so daring uh-huh. so political but uh-huh. like this is actually like like nobody read marvel comics back then except for like children and hippies and they were like a real outsider art form yeah. and there he he spoiled one thing for me at the end which i won't spoil for you unless you want me to but mm-hmm. um <laughs> It sounds really fantastic and intense, and I really want to read it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Sweet. And so, yeah, so, like, just with one-shots, I, like, I, I hold them to, like, almost a higher standard, almost, and I, I mm-hmm. feel kind of bad, but it's just, like, <laughs> I naturally... Well, it's like, it's like, like, okay, this doesn't have a natural place within the soap opera because you're right. not, because the ongoing titles do that. You know, mm-hmm. so you're kind of carving out a space for a character that isn't used as often or a situation like a side story for a, a, an established character where they can kind of do something different or off the beaten path. Yeah, I, I feel you. So if you yeah. if you don't like take advantage of that to either explore a new aspect of a character or make your mark make this part of the Marvel universe that doesn't fit into the normal places. If it doesn't stand out in some way that, you know, carves its own niche, then yeah, it, it kind of, if you're looking at it for soap opera relevance, it's gonna, it's gonna kind of fade away. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you have your one shots that are done really well, like Mm -hmm. Magneto Testament origin for Wolverine, Yep. where you can go and establish something new and and legendary for mm-hmm. this character right and then you have your one shots like what i thought morbius was even though it's not or 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 tarot or gosh the first x-men still to this day the only book i have stopped reading wow <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad yikes it was oh man it was pre xavier's school oh and 
it was oh i came across this on the wiki recently it's dude it's not good okay Sabretooth is a member it's it's um, logan starting a team right yes okay yeah 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 <laughs> something i read it i this is when i was living on garden by myself yeah and i was reading it on the john <laughs> and um great great sensory detail there thank you I, was, no, I just remember, like, I, I, I specifically remember I was sitting there and I was reading it and I was like, this is really bad. Like, I closed the book and I put it on my shelf behind me when I had the Connect shelf. Yeah. And it stayed there until I moved. <laughs> it was such a bad book. Oh, man. Anyway, so, yeah, one shot's can be terrible one shots can be amazing and so i i just have this like <sighs> categorization or binary or like yeah I, I i don't know what the right word is of just like you you have this honor of using established soap opera characters mm-hmm. to go and do your own one shot like oh my right. gosh this is amazing yeah go break some ground yeah, have, and then have, just, have some real fun with this. Yeah, and some people just really don't. I mean, sometimes, um, yep. If you work for hire, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the last one was Avengers Defenders. Taro, uh, the main antagonist, kind of was Diablo, and he's um. Oh, Diablo. He's used so infrequently, but like he's always pretty powerful and he is very powerful he is absolutely pathetic in in what i've read of him in the 80s and 90s specifically it's just like bruh (laughs) right but he's he seems to be like an alchemy chemical genius yes but like he's just never used he i feel kind of bad for him i (laughs) i so he had a few appearances in alpha flight here and there and is just he he's like super powerful like his setup is always very menacing and then they just like prey upon his insecurities <laughs> he's always yeah. just like all right you know what never mind this yeah. this was hard and i'm sorry i'm sorry guys this was this was just me doing a thing <laughs> I yes love it. exactly because <laughs> so like by the end of it's only four issues thank goodness but by the end of it when the crap is legitimately hitting the fan and everything is out of everyone's control every once in a while in some of the cells you just see diablo curled up in a ball behind the characters and some debris and it's just see- like I'm what? into this. I'm into that because what a breaking of tropes. Like what a what an absolute like nobody else does that. There's no other character uh, that like that functions that way with yeah. Uh yeah, novelty picture, novelty cool. wherever you can find it is it's absolute gold for me in superhero comics cuz some of so much of it just is so derivative like mine's the same sort of you know, plot points over and over again. So yeah, I guess I guess I feel like with Diablo, no one else does the chemical thing. No mm. one else does the alchemy thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. did Diablo have to be the one that was weak-willed? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. You know, yeah, like he he has something else, you know, uh, yeah. unique about him. Make make your like mindless bruiser the one that can't. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's that's a little b or like big wheel 
or overdrive <laughs> from scratch. Like these these people who hide behind giant vehicles. Sure. If you take their vehicle away, make them <laughs> have zero willpower. Fair, fair. And but yeah, it's it's so tarot is just Diablo has these tarot cards that he can draw people's pictures on using the ink of um it's called like the black ink of Ishigor or something. Sure. And um it gives them complete control over them and blah 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 blah. <laughs> but it starts with France 1944, Namor, Cap, okay. and Human Torch fighting against Oberfuhr Occulte. <laughs> and it's just the, he is uh, the head of Hitler's mystical research division. And this is the first time we've ever heard of him. And then you jump ahead and Cap doesn't remember who he is. Namor's like, but I swear I had this vision. There's a short scene of Avengers versus the Defenders. The Defenders at the time are uh, Silver, Silver Surfer, Doc Strange, Namor, Valkyrie, and Hulk going up against uh, the Avengers, which were Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Vision, and Wanda. Okay. At least for the roster in this. And you have valkyrie in their assault on diablo you have valkyrie cutting all of the tarot cards in half okay and then as they fall down they start mix mixing tops and halves and in doing so the the ink of the ishigor and these cards apparently you find out at the end are found by these children these two children and their imagination with the ink starts running rampant and creates new mixes (laughs) of the heroes um like you have doc surf who is stephen strange and silver server (laughs) you have a scarlet witch and the other half of stephen strange you (laughs) um and (laughs) It's just like, it It makes so little sense. But what I did appreciate is they don't have histories. <laughs> like, <laughs> these, these, they were not jumping realities. Like, they got created in the minute. And as they're starting to realize that their reality is falling apart, they're like, what were we doing before this? Do you remember? And none of them do. They're like, what's our, what is even our team name? And they're, and they're like, um, I think it started with an A. No, we should start with a D, right? Uh-huh. So, like, thankfully, this isn't a establishing a new alternate right. reality where we can go and dive in because right. you have Major Gamma, who is half uh, uh, Steve Rogers and half Hulk. The other half of Hulk ended up with half of Vision, and he's called a Hulkoid. Okay. Yeah, you have Imperious Hex is half, <laughs> half Scarlet, <laughs> yeah, half Scarlet oh, Witch, Namor. half Namor. Yeah, um, it's 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 not good. The um, the, but the pun opportunities. Yeah, the character designs are odd. But then, and then they get stormed by uh, these like cartoon characters, and then like reality starts falling apart more and more. And then you see, you get a you get you pull out from where they are and you see that everything is established by these children and they have the cards and the cards are all in like a toy box. Okay. Um, and there's like other like cards of these different cartoons. There's a comic book of this guy who is the head of like occult demon stuff. And he's the, 
he ends up being the occulte guy you see him on the on the cover of one of their comics okay sure there's like some toy cars in there and because there was a weird like wacky races thing going on (laughs) um okay and and so like once they did that reveal at the end of the fourth issue it it was like oh that's kind of cool but it it was a slog getting there but uh you know it it in the end it was like all right cool whatever they (laughs) they got out of it and they undid all the damage that was done it was just kind of weird that this came out in 2019 but there was no i thought there was going to be a time (laughs) jump to the present but the furthest forward we got was like probably like 90s um oh as far as like costume and roster is concerned oh interesting but it ended back in 1944 france where cap and and torch and namor come across some some boys in blue and they had just come across this guy named private anton occulte Um, weird name for a weird guy we found him wandering in the forest near frozen to death no weapons just a paintbrush said he was looking for magic ink the guy's mind was gone he's been he's being taken back to medics to the medics back at hq and they're like huh that's strange so uh we have now established that there's we have an occulte guy but it was Mm -hmm. from in the 40s how are they going to bring him to the 2020s who knows but that's like until that last panel this was an open and shut case and there was nothing to write home about. <laughs> There's nothing that came out of tarot that you could use later until we get to this Occulte guy. By the way, I had to check and make sure that Occulte wasn't Diablo's real name and it's not. Oh God. Okay. Do you know? <laughs> no, the reality is worse. Do you know what his, I his, don't his know real Diablo's name is? Name. Esteban Corazon de Hablo. <laughs> oh no what is that the nominative the like when your name establishes what you're gonna do with your life right yeah nominative determinism there we go (laughs) man right that's not good you never never stood a chance (laughs) oh man but yeah so that's what i that's what i read this week it wasn't exciting you know, I'm so excited to read volume two of Morbius. Um, <laughs> Tarot is done. Miles Morales, he's just going through his own sure own hoops. Uh, hopefully there'll be more later. Right on. All right. Sorry. Well, in his defense, in sure. Miles' defense, he did just go through War of the Realms and Absolute Carnage. Okay. Where uh, guy, guy needs a break. He yeah, he got sent through the ringer. Like he <laughs> got he got um he got possessed by the carnage symbiote in absolute carnage. He got quote unquote venomized, but carnageized and war of the realms. A spider cannot fight a troll like, eh. <laughs> or like a frost giant. It's just sure. The, the, the dynamics and power levels are slightly different. So miles needs a break. I don't mind giving him a volume to take, take some time for himself. I'm into that. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> My favorite part of superhero stories is when they're just being people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes the single titles so cool. Yeah. They have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Well, uh, on my end. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for these uh, negative ones. These flashback issues. So all these flashback issues. So 
again, in case you didn't listen to my me setting this up in last pod this week, what all that I read was flashback issues for each of the 10 titles in publication for uh, each of the 10 X-Men monthly release titles. And they just, they had a theme month. They decided, all right, whatever, July, or they do it a few months early. So I guess April um, 1997, uh, all of Marvel were publishing issue negative one. And it's going to be a flashback issue. And it's going to kind of show you what happened before the main series jumped off. And you can kind of, you know, Oftentimes they'll use it to like set up things that are going on in the current, you know, story arcs or give you kind of uh, a bit of context or, or whatever. So uh, they also all start out with Stan Lee. Well, with some sort of premise that the main plot is still continuing, but Stan Lee kind of interrupts it. You see like there, there's sort of like cable here in the background and, and all of the, these narrator captions that set up like a, a very normal issue of cable and then stanley just tears straight through the page here and <laughs> makes fun of cable because stanley <laughs> it's like that uh, uh youtube video of stanley <laughs> talking to rob liefeld oh, and todd, Mc- yeah, todd mcfarland and they're they're designing a character together and stanley is just absolute savaging them every <laughs> available opportunity just oh so great so anyway, uh, they also all seem to have like more retro art styles, even the ones by the same pencilers. And generally, I guess what that means is like flatter, more muted colors than 1997 standards. And thank Christ, <laughs> <laughs> getting away from we just discovered Photoshop and now everything's a gradient era is A-OK in my book. So yeah, the, the first one is, is this issue of Cable, and it tells the story of his first appearance in 616 when he first comes to the past. So he's all like long-haired and ragged, and he's speaking the Ascani language. And Reverend Craig, who is was uh, Wolfsbane's guardian is when she was a little kid and also main villain and also her father. He's like a fundamentalist bigot, and he is raising this crowd with almost literal pitchforks. Yep. There's a pitchfork Uh, (laughs) to attack cable. Moira and rain come by and they're like, well, stop this. This is really stupid. And cable uses his powers and they take him back to Muir Island and they kind of read his mind. And there's some crazy ass battle scenes, some really like Jack Kirby inspired art, which I thought was cool for a flashback issue. And that's really the the entirety of the story. They also argue that this sort of cable coming back to the past and, you know, like this intense mutant power signature triggers apocalypses rebirth early uh, huh. but then they've said that like a million times like they said that in further adventures of cyclops and phoenix about uh <laughs> cyclops and gene gray going back to the 1800s so you know whatever <laughs> sure i believe it just like everything else whatever the next one was deadpool and it's an issue centered around Zoe Culloden, the sort of main Landau, Luckman, and Lake character. Again, Landau, Luckman, and Lake is an interdimensional law firm slash holdings company who kind of has a deeper sort of puppet master role within the multiverse. And so some sort of size and precogs at Landau, Luckman, and Lake have this prediction that Wade, Deadpool, could be sort of this next messiah 
but he's approaching this uh, flux point in his story of like probability where it could be going right or could be going wrong. And mm. Culloden is sort of the caseworker on this file and she's angling for a promotion. And so she's like, I'm just going to go in and, and do this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to carry him through. I'm going to make sure that this Messiah happens uh, when all her bosses are like, no, 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 this is crazy. He's a psychopath, whatever. So at this point in Wade's life, this is pre-Weapon X, pre-Healing Factor, all of that. He's working as a mercenary. He's dating Vanessa, who it's not revealed in this issue, but this is Vanessa Carlisle, aka Copycat. It's also Vanessa from the Deadpool movies, but Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, And she's a sex worker and she hates it, and she's sort of pining to spend more time with Wade, and Culloden sort of shows up as a new girl in the brothel, and befriends Vanessa, and chances into a meeting with Wade, and even though he's like pre-healing factor, pre-cancer, pre-weapon X, all this stuff, he still has those yellow dialogue balloons, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, Vanessa is eventually attacked through her connection to Wade, one of his clients, And Zoe goes and just absolutely fucking smokes him, just shoots and kills him. And she's like, all right, we got through this flux point. We did it. Wade's going to be a hero now. Because her theory is that, you know, despite Wade being this like crazy psychopath, he has this really warm and special relationship and connection with Vanessa. And they're like, okay, we're saving Vanessa. We're going to keep this like really positive thing in his life. And this is what's going to be the impetus for him sort of making this hero turn. But then Wade gets his cancer diagnosis and breaks up with Vanessa in order to spare her having to go through this with him. Mm. The cover on Deadpool was very Nick Fury. Yeah, it's a real like James Bond, Nick Fury, real spy. You know, you got the damsels and the the sort of psychedelic background and the action pose and the, yeah, totally. So the next one that I read was Generation X and it follows mostly Emma Frost, drawn obviously pre-nose job, (laughs) which I thought was, (laughs) 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 I thought that was a great detail. At this point, so in Emma's life, she was born to privilege, but it was an abusive family situation. So she struck out on her own and kind of scraped by for a while. And uh, when her mutant powers manifested, she started reading minds and sort of building an independent fortune for herself that way. So this is that sort of a spot in her life. She is homeless and scraping by. She gets herself an invite to a high society party. And her plan is to just walk around and read everybody's minds and sort of learn all their investment secrets and use those to make her fortune. Along the way, she meets Harry Leland, who was one of the OG Hellfire Club Inner Circle members. Mm -hmm. He can like control his own mass or something. She's really like kind of intimidated by him. So she leaves early and she gets street harassed and followed down a dark alley. And Banshee at this point is an NYPD cop. (laughs) And so he's, you know, keeping an eye on the party and he sees this whole situation going on. He goes to rescue her, but before he can find her, she's been abducted by Dark Beast, who, mm. because Dark Beast, right, he came to 616 20 years in the past. Mm. And, or maybe not 20 years. It's, it's really, the timeline on this is, is really hard to, to keep track of because 
In this, he's very clearly just got to 616. Hmm. And he doesn't have his memories and he kind of is dumb. Like he doesn't have all of his intelligence either. Basically, he and Emma strike up a friendship and it ends with her saying like, we're going to help each other get at Hank. And Hank says, get what? And he says, everything. So Hmm. that hasn't been explored at all in current comics. So we'll see where they go with that. Um, Yeah, the next one is X-Factor. And this is (laughs) fucking X-Factor, man. This title really just keeps rubbing me the wrong way. (laughs) So this is Havoc with his adopted family when he's a little kid. So right, like after the plane crash with him and Scott and his parents when they were kids and they jumped out of a burning airplane sharing one parachute between the two of them, they get quote unquote rescued by a sinister who takes them to his orphanage. Well, he holds on to Scott and lets Alex go out and uh, be adopted, but he keeps tabs on him after that. And so this is the first look at Alex's adopted life. So his adopted parents had a son who was, I guess, his age or a little bit older, but died. And he was like this model kid, you know, great student, quarterback of the high, uh, the football team of which the dad's the coach, blah, blah, blah. They're really trying to make him replace this kid, Todd. And so mm. that's, it's, it, you kind of find out this is where Alex's little brother complex comes from, mm-hmm. which <laughs> makes so much more sense than, than coming from Scott. Cause they didn't grow up together at all. Yeah. But anyway, Alex has to deal with some bullies because they're blaming nepotism for him being the quarterback of the football team, which he's bad at anyway. And they're all drawn like they're in their 20s and he's drawn like he's 11, which is (laughs) just kind of insane. And so they go to beat him up and then (laughs) his like 14 year old sister fucking flying karate kicks them from outside the panel. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck is going on? And then Sinister shows up and provokes the main bully into hatching this like insane supervillain plot to like kidnap him and his sister and then like go back and blow up their parents' house or something like that. Just like, and they have guns. It's like, what the hell is going on with this like, normal ass schoolyard bully but sinister's doing all this because he wants to goad alex into having his powers manifest he wants to get a a, you know like a field study a look at them in person and so they do and he fucking cooks the bully into a skeleton (laughs) just fries the bastard and it's and everyone's like no one even bothers to look (laughs) Like it just like barely even happens. Sinister comes in and erases everybody's memory. And they're like, yeah, that guy was a shit anyway. No one's going to miss him. Oh my goodness. That's, that's, that's it. That's the end of the story. Wow. That's X Factor, man. (laughs) This is the same title where they, they spent like three issues faking their own deaths and then revealed themselves to their main antagonist, antagonist nine pages into the next issue. Right. It's just, (laughs) just, just wild shit. Just, it sort of happens for no reason in this title. And I thought I had a high tolerance for that sort of thing, but apparently not high enough. So the next one was X-Force, and this is James and John Proudstar, aka Warpath and Thunderbird. And, you know, never never seen that before. 
So that's, uh, it's really cool to see. Uh, it's established yeah. that John's about 10 years older. He is just returns from his time in the Marines. And I guess he, you know, originally it was supposed to be a Vietnam veteran, but <laughs> sliding time scale and all that. Right. So, you know, they've got this fun sort of loving, teasing dynamic. James is, is written as this really sort of precocious and clever kid. Like he sees through all of the lies and pleasantries of the adult world. This is also kind of an issue where weird things happen and <laughs> you just kind of like go with it. Tabby, uh, Tabitha Smith boom boom Mm -hmm. it has a cameo where she visits the same like sort of carnival as the proud stars and you just kind of see her parents fighting and james sees her and and he's like oh that girl has a cool shirt and then she just disappears she's (laughs) she's not the rest of the issue but she's kind of set up as if she's going to be but anyway they go to this carnival that apparently is ran by mystique and destiny that's another like random cameo that makes absolutely no sense but whatever it's like you're reading and you're like okay that was cool that was cool and you're like wait what the fuck (laughs) destiny reads james's future predicts that he's gonna have many kids but doesn't tell him about john's death because it's just too fucking sad anyway at the carnival john meets up with his buddy michael whitecloud who is also set up to be the point of contact in the current X-Force storyline with Warpath uh, and his dealing with Sledge. Sledge knows where White Cloud is. White Cloud apparently knows about the massacre of his Apache tribe. Oh, right, 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 right. White Cloud is this real muckraking investigative journalist and the proud stars their mom has cancer and so white cloud's like man there's weird stuff going on with this cancer lab where all of these diagnostic tests are coming from you should go check it out and apparently there is an evil werewolf doctor who's doing experiments on apache patients giving sham cancer diagnoses to people which is like a little it's really bit random. Yeah. It's also kind of connected to he's like, I've been studying the effects of concentrated radiation on human and animal tissue. And it's like, okay, that, that kind of checks out because, you know, a lot of these four corners Indian area and tribes around there, like they're downwinders of the Nevada test site. They are like experiencing massively elevated, you know, levels of cancer and all radiation related uh, illnesses. So Little shout out to actual, you know, pressing social justice concerns. But in this, it's a sham. It's a werewolf doctor. There's no (laughs) cancer. And then at the end, White Cloud uh, goes on his next story to check out some hush hush project in New Mexico about a gamma bomb. Hmm. Yeah, that was cool. Next up is Wolverine. This one also chock full of completely unnecessary cameos. (laughs) this takes place in the point of logan's life where he's just out of weapon x so he got his adamantium he's amnesiac he has been rescued by james and heather hudson aka guardian and vindicator and he's kind of you know well on his way to reintegration into polite society but he still has all these holes in his memory and he's trying to figure out what the heck the hudson set him up with an appointment to meet the inventor of adamantium in washington and he gets a flight there from ontario from ben Grimm. <laughs> what for no reason he just shows up and calls logan a knucklehead 
and logan's like knucklehead i gotta remember that mm-hmm. and that's it <laughs> that's all and then he goes away and then uh so logan shows up to his meeting and he's being surveilled on by both fury and hydra <laughs> so <laughs> cool. the same team yeah <laughs> cool sort of uh, right <laughs> Some some real spycraft stuff going on. Uh, Carol Danvers is uh, pretending to be the adamantium doctor's secretary. And this is the first meeting between them, which is cool because they've got this real deep history, which isn't often explored, just kind of pointed at. So it's cool to see their first meeting. So the the meeting's going on. Adamantium doctor is like checking him out. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't know that this was possible. I've heard about, you know. Uh, Lord Darkwind, aka Lady Deathstrike's dad, and all this stuff. And then Creed shows up and he's, I guess he's still working for the CIA and he shuts down the meeting. Wolverine recognizes him by scent, but not anything else, and hmm. takes him out. And he's like, I'm going to tell you about everything. I'll tell you all everything you want to know. And then goes to shoot him in the head. And then Hydra busts it up. And then they start fighting. And then <laughs> Fury and Danvers <laughs> show up and they start fighting. And, you know, car ch- obligatory car chase scene, blah, 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 blah. It goes bad. Card crashes. And, you know, Hydra's got him cornered. And then <laughs> Black oh Widow gosh. shows up with a rocket launcher <laughs> and uh and she's like i am here to rescue you but i'm leaving now bye and she just disappears she's literally on one page and then goes away. what <laughs> what <laughs> yeah uh anyway wolverine Sabretooth, duke it out that's always fun to watch and they kind of end with this fury lets logan walk saying like if he can't remember his past then maybe he'll finally find some peace oh yeah so where does this <laughs> how does <laughs> this one doesn't fit in my head in in terms of timeline yeah so it's post weapon x but it's arguably pre-world war ii no 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 yeah fury recognizes him he doesn't yeah, remember but fury doesn't have this eye patch oh i didn't i didn't catch that detail I don't know something something LMDs image image <laughs> <laughs> image inducer something something will win a no prize for this yeah. whatever yeah he doesn't have his eye patch but widow yeah yeah no this is clearly this is clearly like right before the founding of Department H and not right. long before Wolverine joins X Men mm-hmm. but it's before. The it, it's after his time with the CIA and Team X with uh yeah. Creed and Maverick. And Maverick, yeah. But it's before the Fantastic Four got their powers. Yeah. Which was when the Russians <laughs> sent Sputnik into space. Yada yada sliding time scale. <laughs> you exactly. <laughs> yeah. When you have <laughs> tens of thousands of co- issues of comics, you can only Right, only get it to to work so well. But, yeah, this okay. is this is in the early '60s slash also the '70s slash also the '80s. <laughs> yeah, slash also you know heavily implied to be 15 years ago, which now that it's 2021, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we lean into it so <laughs> the next one is excalibur 
And this is a story about Nightcrawler, a.k.a. Kurt Wagner, and Amanda Sefton, a.k.a. Day Tripper, a.k.a. Jemaine Zardos. They grew up in the circus together. It's a circus run by Jemaine's mother, Margali, who is a sorceress and a recurring villain right now in the Excalibur title. But right now, I mean 1997, obviously. <laughs> and so Kurt decides, you know, I've, I've had this great life in the circus, but I need to see the world outside. I need to go. Jemaine, I want you to come with me. And Margali won't let her go. She's like, no, you have a responsibility to the soul sword and the winding way and my connections to limbo, yada, yada. There's a, a true and terrible sacrifice that you'll have to make someday vis-a-vis the soul sword and in order to halt Velasco. And that seems to be very much setting up a storyline that they're going to use, I'm sure, very soon in Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know for sure. There's been some fuckery with the soul sword lately. So that's sort of the main conflict. And then in order to keep Jemaine around, Margali kills a member of their circus to remind Jemaine of, you know, just sort of the stakes and the danger. Uh, she she frames Belasco. She, she pretends to be Belasco to kill this uh, beloved member of their circus, their sort of mentor in the trapeze arts. And so... Jemaine says, no, I have to stay, but someday I will, you know, become a flight attendant and, and hide my identity when we first start hooking up and then (laughs) reveal it later for some reason that I still can't, I still can't keep track of. I still have no idea why she did that. Anyway, the next one was X-Men. So this follows Xavier right after he was paralyzed. Well, not immediately after he was paralyzed because, so he was paralyzed in the Himalayas, stopping an alien invasion by an alien named Lucifer, which whatever, it was 60s storytelling and it it doesn't have anything to do with the core concept, but Stanley was already off the title. So who cares? We can make it trash. So while he was in sort of South Asia, convalescing from his paralysis, he met a Red Cross nurse named Amelia Vogt, Vote later became a member of the Acolytes. They've got this cool sort of like tangled history that Scott Lobdell is obsessed with and <laughs> writes a writes vote at every single opportunity. So in this issue, it's after, so they've left South Asia. They've gone back to Xavier's mansion and she has come with him as sort of his live-in nurse slash paramour. And Xavier is just, floating in a pool and obsessing about Magneto. He has vote teleport them to Auschwitz where he knows Magneto is going to commemorate an anniversary. <laughs> it's, it's his first time seeing Magneto in his full costume. He's like, hello, Eric, nice helmet. <laughs> Don't change it's a, the subject. Yeah. It's also votes first time meeting Magneto of whom she'd later join as an acolyte. And there's a, a cool sort of moment of her just being like, holy shit, he's really powerful. It's mm-hmm. terrifying, but I'm magnetically drawn to him. She doesn't uh, say yeah. that, but like, come on, the raw sexual what? magnetism of this man. <laughs> At what point does Magneto start calling him Charles? I'm sure he does back and forth even here, but yeah, he's mostly yeah. calling him Xavier. Cause I, I feel like that's, like that's a statement in itself when so, like if you yeah. said hi will and i was like hello Stormin. <laughs> 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 yeah 
so so this is post their big falling out in israel right um mm. so presumably like they were good friends they realized that their ideologies were going to take them on different paths and have them on on different sides of this brewing mutant human conflict so they're a uh, magneto is living in space right now and he's kind of doing a an excessive amount of brooding as well he brought Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch up there with him for no real good reason. He's just trying to, he's starting to recruit for, uh, for the brotherhood. So, Oh yeah. The first brotherhood. Yeah. Negative one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yep. (laughs) So the whole issue is just a big, long philosophical conversation between Magneto and Xavier. And those are always fun. Who doesn't love those? Absolutely. And the whole issue sort of ends on this. He who does not remember the sins of his past is destined to repeat them, which I think is heavily lampshading towards Joseph. Mm. And we're about two months away from them saying, just kidding, Magneto isn't Joseph after all. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fun. You know, just, just really build it up as high as you can. The next one is uncanny. And this one was also a trip. Uh, I had a lot to say about this. So uh, this follows Rachel Summers, who is not a regular in uncanny or, any other X title at this at this time, but it follows her chronology as we've seen it in the comics to this point. She left 616 uh, because so she was in Excalibur at the time. Captain Britain was going through some alternate reality mucky muck like they like to do in Excalibur, and he was being sort of torn apart across the time stream. And she kind of like went into the time stream to pull him out and got lost in there herself. And you know, she ended up kind of pulling herself together and founding the Ascani Sisterhood. And somewhere in there, she met this character named Sanctity, who has shown up a few times in Cable and in one of the Cable flashback miniseries, Ascani Sun. Sanctity is this sort of rogue, crazy sister of the Ascani. Like she's real hard line, got this crazy agenda, and she wants to meddle with the past in order to force agendas and make things happen. So (laughs) this one really got me at first because Rachel is flying through time and space to land in a barn in South Dakota. And there's a master mold there. Oh. (laughs) She's like, it all makes sense now. (laughs) What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? What? Uh, But it turns out she's following Sanctity. Sanctity came here. Sanctity knew about this master mold. Sanctity has like time warp powers or whatever. And this isn't just any barn in South Dakota. This is the Trask family barn. And Mm. Bolivar Trask is inventing the first master mold in a barn. And Yeah, right? How Dexter's lab of him. I know, right? And his son, uh, Lawrence, who's a a mutant himself, a precog, is like predicting days of future past. And Bolivar is like, oh, there's this terrible conflict brewing with mutants. Like we have to build these sentinels to, to make this happen. Like both of my children were mutants and it's been terrible for both of them. Lawrence is is in terrible health because he keeps getting visited by these sort of seizure like uh, predictions of the future and my daughter just up and disappeared one day anyway so sanctity shows up and she and rachel start fighting because rachel's trying to stop sanctity from doing some sort of days of future pasty thing herself meddling with the timeline that yada 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 makes an accidental dystopia 
like you do. And this is where you first learn that Rachel and Sanctity first met while both lost in the time stream together. It also reveals that Sanctity is Bolivar Trask's daughter. She's Tanya Trask. She's the one who disappeared one day. She disappeared into the time stream. And Uh her master plan of coming back to prevent the dystopia isn't to kill her father or anything like that. It's just to talk to him and tell her what she's seen and talk it out of it. And even that Rachel's like, no, I'm sorry. That's messed up. She's not like, because, okay. So this is, this is, I'm sorry. I got to go on a little rant here. This is, I'm sure we'll get into this with the ethics boys as soon as, as soon as we nail down a time to do a crossover episode, but you guys have been talking a lot about sort of where the ethical line of superhero versus villain is. And and is it kind of in the sense of, you know, the ends justifying the means and, and all of that. And part of my big problem with Falcon and winter soldier is that, and I haven't seen the last two episodes yet. I suck. I know I'm sorry, but the flag smashers are just bugging me because it's like every time you see this organization with like noble intentions towards social change, they just start killing people. And it's like, all right, like you can't have the ends justify the means and they can't tell a story in which somebody with noble, you know, intentions or ends has nonviolent or non-objectionable means. And yeah. so they just like, you know, anyone who's, it, it basically boils down to Anyone who's upsetting the status quo by which we can keep telling stories is a villain. And that's messed up to me Mm. because the status quo needs changing. And it's not that, you know, they'll always give it like, oh, yes, it's right that they're doing this. It's not that their intentions are wrong. It's just that we are incapable of telling a story in which anyone who wants to change the world isn't a villain because we have to keep telling stories from the status quo. So it's, 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 it's not an ideological thing. It's a structural thing. It's mm. they box themselves into being a conservative genre. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> huh. Sorry. Do you want to respond to that before I go back to talking about <laughs> stupid ass uncanny X-Men number one? Well, so I guess negative my, one. my hope would would have been that the MCU wouldn't have to do that. I would hope that too. They've really made some big swings in terms of status quo, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, they brought back, like, yes, they brought him back, but they also did kill half the universe. And then they, like, they are dealing with the fallout of bringing those people back. It's the jumping right. off point for a lot of these stories. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I think they could have done more with the Flag Smasher cause. Maybe, hopefully, that uh, they can explore it more later. Yeah. But, like, I think it'd be interesting to see an already organized international activist group and what that would look like in a uh, superhero world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh-huh. one that you can't rely on the lazy trope of, like, I, I know I'm particularly sensitive to it because of, <laughs> because I'm me and, and, you know, just, I feel like every time you see activists in not just superhero stories, but in fiction in general, there's a lot of like, Oh, but they're hypocrites, you know, like, right. Oh, they have all these lofty ideals, but they're, you know, how are you living up to it like this? Ah, ha, ha. And it's just like, it's so frustrating. Like 
no, there are really people who like believe in a better world and work to make it so and like endlessly examine their ethics and their ideals and like are open to criticism and conversation and, you know, being in a situation in your life in which your ethics actually matter in terms of like your ability to tell right from wrong and pursue that course in your life and how you want to try and shape the world around you. Like that's sort of the common DNA between being a superhero and being an activist. Like I remember this piece that I read about Occupy where the writer was saying like, she came from this academic background where she like studies, you know, social change and ethics and all this stuff. And, and then she goes to an Occupy General Assembly and people are discussing ethical issues with real practical implications. Like, what are we going to do tonight when the cops show up? Or like, what are we going to do about homeless people? We know we need to like feed and house them. This is like what they need as people, but also like this introduced risk and accessibility issues to our encampment. Like all of these things are like suddenly incredibly real and practical issues and not just fun things to sort of dither and wonder about and hypothesize about. And like, to me, that that's sort of like, I want a story in which people who want to change the world are taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's what a one shot is for. <laughs> to introduce something like that and, and, establish it within the bigger picture yeah 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 anyway so tanya tries to talk to her dad and rachel won't let it happen under the guise of being a hero i think that's real fucked up (laughs) yeah this isn't ends justifying the means here this is (laughs) she's literally just trying to talk to her dad but no the continuity the timeline must be preserved So the one thing that Sanctity does get through, however, is she programs a reference to the 12 Mm. deep, deep into Master Mold's programming. And all this really does is explain one, like it is retcon one loose thread that didn't make sense, right? (laughs) Because like the history of the 12 is it first shows up with Master Mold identifying, I think, Cyclops as a member of the 12. And like, there's a few scattered references. I think Apocalypse mentions it at some point. It's it's kind of like this, you know, the storyline that was teased in the early days of X-Factor when it was the original five X-Men. And then it just like, there was a storyline that they were like, had vague plans to do and then they never did it and it disappeared. And fans were like, but what are the 12? But what are the 12? What are the 12? And eventually the X office ran out of ideas. They're like, fine, we'll do the 12. And you can tell that that's kind of what they're starting to gear towards in Cable's title right now. So anyway, it's a long way to go for a retcon for a very, very small and very insignificant retcon. But you know what? The obsessive, established. obsessive continuity watching soap opera fan in me appreciates this little attention to detail. You had to go jump through these gigantic hoops to do this fine kudos good for you you have my applause um high five five. (laughs) exactly and then the last one is x-man oh yay now i know what you're thinking how can you do a flashback issue about somebody who was literally grown in a lab see i was gonna say (laughs) the (laughs) flashback issue should just be all blank 
<laughs> well, <laughs> they've got you one better because this is the story of him being grown in a lab. <laughs> but yeah, this is Sinister letting him out of his accelerated aging tank for a couple minutes to run some tests. Uh, he witnesses the extent of his powers and uh, he shows Nate sort of a, a vid screen of everything that's going on in AOA just to sort of stoke some uh, hatred and mistrust of Apocalypse within him. And then he puts him back in the tank <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's the story. So random. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> Um, the one other thing is he realizes that Nate's powers are out of control. And so he adds a sort of a control mechanism to his genes. Yeah. You know, this, is, this reminds <laughs> me of Age of Ultron. Yeah. In, in Age of Ultron, they do some time travel stuff. Yeah. And Wolverine comes across like the first brood that came to Earth. Uh-huh. And it's this like worm doesn't have any major teeth. Or any of the claws or mm. spikes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just has like the big head and like a sluggy body. And he stabs the shit out of it because it attacked him. And then he, he looks on the screen and it sees this processing thing. It's just like uh, establishing countermeasures oh. um, and evolving countermeasures. And Jeez. the brood in a tube changes and grows teeth and grows all the spikes that everyone that we know the brood to have uh-huh and logan's just like ah crap <laughs> my bad <laughs> and oh, then he moves on. just has zero to do with the entire story at large <laughs> but apparently brood would have been just harmless if it wasn't for logan in the past yep gotta gotta love those uh those accidental you know well we messed up <laughs> yeah or like um falcon time traveling sam i think while he was captain america is the first one in avengers history to say avengers assemble oh, okay <laughs> so that's also a thing sure yeah or like we went back in time to kill baby hitler and all we did was you know stoke his hatred right yeah. like a uh, cosmic Cosmic Ghost Rider introduced Thanos to murder, even though he invented murder on Titan in his own story. But that whatever is the coldest character tidbit. Anytime, like whenever I have the opportunity to talk about MCU versus comics, Thanos, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, he invented murder, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh man, just Thanos rising. Another example of a great one shot, by the way. <laughs> but like, it's just—it's so interesting. I, so, what do you, what really do you think? It. What do you think the uh, episode negative? One, we oh, we should we should make an episode negative one of this pod. That'd be fun. Yeah, just be like us as like you know five year olds watching like watching uh, the X Men animated series and having a uh, you know elevated intellectual conversations about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could i was (laughs) but i was thinking in terms of like pre the podcast and so like i'll just be sitting here at my desk being like damn I wish I had something to talk about these comics. With. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. That's that's the whole negative one right there. Me just reading 1996 comics in an absolute fury. And you sending <laughs> random pictures of just like, hey, 
Look at this thing that ran. Just the happened. creepy Moira watch. I'm just all the, I'm, yeah, creepy all the Moira creepy watch. Moiras. That's yeah. literally all it's been. <laughs> and then I don't have anyone to talk to about you know, War of the Realms or Age of X Men or whatever other crossovers have happened in the last couple of years. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that might about do it for Hype is My Superpower episode 12 and also negative one. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Anything else you want to say to all our friends and family on the internet before before we sign on off? Oh, I finally added my my first picture to the Hype is My Superpower Facebook group. Go yeah, look, you go, did. Go look at it and go, go, go be inspired to be a yes. better person. Good stuff. Uh, what you reading next week? Oh, next week. Oh, amazing Mary Jane. Oh, okay. Um, is this a Spider-Verse Mary Jane or is this no. uh, just Mary Jane being amazing? I'm pretty sure it's just 616 Mary Jane. Okay. Yeah, she's but, pretty amazing. Like at the same time, I was thinking about like what other literal romantic interest characters have gotten their own single titles. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. go Spider-Man. Anyway. I'm really looking for the Trish Tilby limited series. <laughs> so yeah so we've got mary jane i see i've got black cat next up here yeah Ooh, and then uh volume seven of the mortal hulk oh hell yes 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 i know that's your shit (laughs) oh i'm stoked dude so yeah i i have volume one of immortal hulk i think in storage and instead of going out and finding it i bought it again okay uh for when you come into town because Aww. I have I have two through six on my shelf of uh-huh. of the recommended books. Okay. And so I bought I rebought volume one because I don't want to go into my storage and look through my 85 boxes. But um yeah, <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Immortal Hulk is such a great title. Awesome. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm so ready for this. Next week I've got got four things. I've got the Psylocke and Archangel limited series Crimson Dawn. So mentioned before that they Crimson Dawn was the thing with uh, saving Psylocke's life after she was gutted by Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also got an arc of Generation X, an arc of Excalibur, and one shot of Strong Guy Reborn, which I'm excited for because you know I love me some Guido, but also nobody except Peter David can write him well. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, and then... <laughs> A three issue limited series called Daydreamers. And that is Franklin Richards, Man Thing, Howard the Duck, Artie Leach, and this Rigelian girl who I think used to be more of a character in the 70s. Hmm. Yeah. It's Could you have know, potential. It's a Franklin with his little Heroes Reborn ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Heroes are born. And then the week after that is Operation Zero Tolerance. Yay. So I'll get some, some crossover goodness in there. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 have a slow week for that. Okay, so we can dive into that. Sounds good. <laughs> just don't surprise me with any any more Dawn of X because you know I was just thinking about that too. In the <laughs> back of my head, I was like, oh, maybe next week we should do some Dawn of X. But uh-huh. yeah, but, but next week is zero tolerance. So zero tolerance uh, maybe, might maybe it might after. take me two weeks. I'll I'll see how quickly I get through it. But yeah, yeah, so we'll see how inspired you get. But yeah, I'm definitely going to need to get back into at least two more volumes. Unless, unless I just binge it right before Empire, but right, yeah, I, I kind of want to spread it out a little bit. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Until next time, my guy. Until next time. Always, put always the, an absolute uh, pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's always a great time. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna put the outro music Where? here. Oh, just right. didn't know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. Peace. Peace.